back to the Home to Self podcast. I'm so excited to bring you guys another solo episode today. I feel like it's been a minute since I have come onto the podcast by myself to talk to you guys, and I felt like I wanted to come on today to talk about something new I learned, and by the title of this podcast, you probably already know that it has to do with anxiety. So I love podcasts. I listen to so many podcasts every single day. I'm listening to something new and I've learned so much from podcasts and from books and from everywhere. But I recently found a new, what do I call him? Well, he's lots of things. (laughs) He's a physician. He's a neuroscientist, a somatic intuitive yoga instructor, instructor, meditation teacher, but a new resource, I guess you could say. And his name is Russell Kennedy, Dr. Russell Kennedy. And I had never come across Dr. Kennedy before, but since I listened to him on this podcast, I was like, oh my gosh, he explains anxiety in a way that I have never heard been put before. And it just made so much sense in my brain and really just helped me understand it in a different way that has allowed me to just work and cope with it a little bit more. And it makes sense so much with everything I have learned in terms of the mind and the body and somatic healing and kind of these different responses that our bodies have to stressful events and to traumatic events from our childhood. And so I thought it would be really helpful to come onto the podcast and share what I learned from Dr. Kennedy on the podcast today, because I know that anxiety is something that I think we all deal with to a certain degree, some a lot worse than others, of course, but anxiety is really worrying about the future. It is having fears and projecting them into the future, and then you get yourself unconsciously without, you know, wanting to, but it happens that you get your body into the state of fight or flight, and then things start to get worse from there, Um, and it can be really bad for a lot of people. For me, anxiety hasn't been debilitating, thankfully, Um, but I have had a mild, you know, case of anxiety, if you will, for pretty much my whole life. Like worrying is something that comes really easily to me, you know, unfortunately. But yeah, I worry a lot about the future, not nearly as much as I used to because of these practices that I've implemented, some of which I'm going to share with you today. However, anxiety is still something that I'm very familiar with, and it's not fun. I know it's not fun, and so I just have a lot of compassion for everyone who deals with anxiety, whether, again, that's mild or severe. I just, I get it, and that's also why I want to share this podcast with you guys today and these resources, and hopefully it helps you in some way. And if you want to dive deeper into any of this work, Dr. Kennedy has so many resources out there. You know, he's got a podcast. um, He's got a book that I'm really excited to read. He's on a lot of different podcasts too, explaining these concepts. I'm sure he has a ton of value on his Instagram. I haven't followed it yet, but I'm really excited to dive deeper into this work. But let's just get into this so that you know, we can start breaking down this concept and really start making sense of what our body is trying to tell us when we are in this state of panic, in this state of anxiety. And one thing I want to mention straight off the bat is that, you know, language is what creates our reality. Our words create our reality. And so language is really, really important. And one of the best things that you can start doing just overall for a more conscious life in a, in a, healthier, happier life is to start becoming aware and really intentional with the words that you speak. And you've probably heard this before, but the I am statement is really powerful. So whatever you use after the words I am should be really intentional, right? Because a lot of times we say I am anxious. And that doesn't mean that that's wrong. Well, that's not true. I would say that that is actually wrong because that's not who you are. Anxiety is not who you are. You may have had it forever, but that doesn't make it a part of who you are. Um, Because who you are, again, comes down to a soul level. It's an energetic. It's something that can't be changed. It can't be messed with. The same with your self-worth and self-love. These kinds of things are just the same for everyone, right? We're all cut from the same cloth. We all go back to the same energy or spirit or whatever when we die in this human form. And so 
it's really powerful to reframe that as I am feeling anxious instead of I am anxious. That creates just a little bit of space and allows you to disidentify from the feelings of anxiety, which then allows you to actually work with it in a way that doesn't feel so heavy because now it's not like, oh, I have to change who I am or like there's something wrong with me because I am anxious. Like, no, no, no. You are experiencing anxiety in your mind and body. And now this is how you can potentially work with it. Right. And so there is that separation. And so I just want to mention that straight off the bat, because language is so powerful and something we all have control over. And it does really make such a big difference in how we feel and how we move about our our lives. And with that, I want to mention that reframing anxiety, I think, is really powerful, too, because whenever we reframe something, it basically just means that we are shifting our perspective of it, right? Shifting our understanding of it. And when we see things differently, things change because our perspective is everything. The way that we see the world is the way that we see the world and then therefore how we experience it, right? So if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, right? That quote is really powerful, Um because that's how much power our minds and our perspective have over our lives and what we experience. And so the reason that I think this these these um, topics or this conversation is going to be really powerful is because it's offering us a different view on anxiety. And as A Course in Miracles says, a shift in perspective is a miracle. So take that as you will, and let's dive into it. So The main kind of overarching theme and massive perspective shift when it comes to anxiety, as Dr. Kennedy puts it, is that anxiety is actually just an alarm system in your body. It's an alarm system in your body from unresolved trauma as a child. Or if you don't want to go as far as calling something trauma, then it's just anything that you experienced as a child that brought about really heavy emotions that you weren't able to fully process. And we all have experiences like that from our childhood, some worse than others, of course, but I think we can all find experiences from when we were younger that triggered us, you know, emotionally, whether usually when as a child, you just get scared because you don't have that greater understanding and those resources to fully work through some of these really heavy emotions that we feel, feel as human beings, beings, sometimes for the first time when you are a child. And I know for me, a lot of my psychological wounds, I don't like to call them trauma so much just because trauma sounds so intense, but Some of the wounds that I carry with me from my childhood have to do with emotional, you know, unsafety. And it's not that I was actually unsafe, but again, this is all about my experience. It's all about trauma is not what happened to you. It's how you experienced it or what happened within you as a result of what happened to you. So how you interpreted the events that happened to you and the way that I interpreted some of the emotional chaos, let's say, that happened at times within my household was that I wasn't emotionally safe or that it just wasn't emotionally safe within my home. And so sometimes I would feel just really scared or really nervous or really angry or something, and I wouldn't know how to deal with that. And so in those moments when we are children and we have these emotions that we don't know how to fully process, the body goes into an alarm state and that alarm state gets imprinted in our bodies. And so what happens is that until you become conscious of that, you can go many years, decades even, you could even go your whole life without understanding that that alarm system that you are feeling as an adult that you call anxiety is the exact same alarm system that was imprinted in you in childhood during a moment or multiple moments of you know, emotional dysregulation, emotional unsafety. And just changing that kind of view of anxiety from instead of even calling it anxiety, calling it an alarm system, to me, I was like, wow, that is really powerful. Because now I can I can work with that. You know, when we say anxiety, it's like, what does that even mean? It's different for every single person. And so 
I think when we say an alarm system in the body, not only do most people understand like kind of what that would imply and what it feels like, but it also allows you to, again, create a little bit of space, understanding that this isn't just like me and I'm broken and and then that contributes to more of the anxiety, but it's like, oh, okay, my body is going into this panic mode and the alarm is going off because of something. And I, I have the tools to be able to work with my body and bring it back to safety, bring it back into homeostasis. And I'm going to talk more about what Dr. Kennedy suggests in order to heal it. But before we get into that, I just want to continue explaining kind of this concept of this alarm system. So What's really interesting too, as I said before, is that this same alarm system that you experience as a child continues with you through through adulthood, sorry, until you kind of become aware of it and heal it, right? And it's the same emotional signature as when you were a child. So it's going to feel the same way, which is really interesting. And again, it feels different for different people. But once you start becoming aware of the sensations in your body when this alarm is going off you can kind of recall back to when you were a child during that traumatic event or during that um, difficult event you went through and see that it's the same kind of feeling in your body because again, it gets imprinted during those childhood years. And so another thing that Dr. Kennedy said in this podcast that I listened to had to do with you know, worrying because a lot of times when you when you hear people talk about worry and how useless it is and that there's no point to it, which I mean, I agree. I, I understand where that's coming from because you can't change the future. So why worry about it? That's kind of the concept behind it. However, the way that Dr. Kennedy explained is that worry is actually very useful for people who are experiencing anxiety because Worrying is a major distraction from this alarm system in your body that we're too scared to feel and process. And so I think this brings up a really important point that our bodies are really intelligent and everything that we do, especially the things we do unconsciously that we deem as annoying or useless or inconvenient are actually a protective mechanism from the body trying to protect you in some way. And so once you can understand it and see it that way, it's a lot easier to have compassion for yourself and actually work through these with more, yeah, with more compassion, more self-love, because you understand again, that if you are worrying, worrying about the future, it's like, oh, why am I doing that? Why am I worrying? Instead of having that kind of approach to yourself, you can be like, okay, I understand I'm worrying again. This must mean that like, there's something deeper that I am not trying to feel right now. Um, And how can I work with myself to maybe tap into that sensation a little bit more and actually process it instead of just distracting myself with more worries, which obviously doesn't help anything. Okay, so now let's move into kind of what happens when this alarm system goes off, like what is going on in our body so that we can understand it better. Because when we understand something better, it is a lot easier to work through it, right? So... When something triggers us, whether it is externally, like let's say you get a phone call that is just not good, right? Not good news. Or internally, whether that is, you know, you think about something that freaks you out and suddenly your body goes into this alarm system. So usually something triggers us externally or internally, and it activates this alarm system that our bodies are very familiar with. And what happens from then, from then on, is that when this feeling gets activated in your body, right, this alarm system that your body knows much too well, that is when your mind, which is a meaning-making machine, the mind always wants to make sense of things, that's when the mind comes in to try to, again, make sense of this feeling in your body because it thinks that by making sense of it, it can solve it. Right. The mind wants to fix. The mind wants to find solutions. The mind wants to get involved to try to fix things. And so what usually happens is that after we feel the alarm, the mind comes in with all of these stories to try to make sense of it. And that is the worry piece. Like, oh, my gosh, maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe this means I'm getting a heart attack or maybe this means I'm getting sick or maybe this means someone is in danger or maybe this means I'm going to lose my job. 
all of these projections into the future is our mind's way of trying to make sense of these feelings in our bodies that we don't know how to work through. And we don't even understand because no one really teaches us this stuff, right? It's not like we learned this in school, although I wish we did. And so, And so when the mind gets into it and when we give the mind a chance to keep telling these stories and keep stacking these meanings one on top of the other, it overwhelms our system even more. So now the mind with its stories is feeding that same alarm that you actually want to get out of and turn off. And then you're stuck in this vicious cycle where the mind is feeding the alarm in the body and the alarm in the body is feeding the stories of the mind. And that's when we get trapped. And if it gets worse and worse and worse, we can end up in a panic attack or, you know, it can just get really, really overwhelming. And so how do we actually heal it, right? That is the golden question, the the answers we all want. The answer, because this is an alarm system that happens in the body, in the nervous system, the answer is coming back into your physical body. Dr. Kennedy makes it a point to say that you can't heal anxiety or this alarm system with the mind, right? You have to come into the body and somatics, which has to do with the body, any kind of somatic practices like breath work really help to bring your attention, your awareness into the body. That's what coming back into the body really means, right? Where your attention goes is where your energy flows is another quote. And that's one way to visualize it because I think it can be kind of confusing for some people who haven't done a lot of this work to understand what that even feels like or how to come back into the body. Think of it as putting your focus and your attention into your body, using your physical senses to actually bring your attention there, right? Because we live from our minds most of the day. And again, you can't heal this alarm system that's found in the body by using your mind. And so the first step to really start to process this alarm and and start to diminish it is to become aware of where in your body you feel this alarm system the most. Again, remember that this alarm system is unique to you. So where you feel it the most is going to be different than where someone else with anxiety feels it the most. Dr. Kennedy explains that for most of us, this feeling of intensity is going to be somewhere in our midsection. But that might be your chest, your throat, your solar plexus, which is this area like right above your rib cage, or maybe even your tummy. You might get butterflies in your tummy or just like this like sinking feeling in your in your gut. It's really important to become aware of where you feel it the most. Where does that alarm sound loudest in your body? And it can take some time to kind of discover this, right? Because we, again, are so disconnected from ourselves and from our from our bodies and the bodily sensations that we have, especially during a time of panic and alarm, because we don't know how to deal with it and we've never been taught. And so our, you know, our survival instincts are always to reach for pleasure and get away from pain. And so usually what we do is to disconnect, is to numb out of, is to distract ourselves any way we can from feeling what is there. Because it feels like if we enter that feeling even more, it's like if you go towards the pain, we think, if we've never actually experienced this before, we think that that's going to be the end. That it's it's going to be too much to handle or that it's never going to go away if we do that, if we you know, dive deep into that. And so, yeah, it, if, if you approach it from that perspective or if you think that's true, it makes it really hard to want to dive into that. However... Intense feelings and emotions only last for about 90 seconds if you fully dive into them. And then really it's just residue after that. So that is one little piece I wanted to add in there about like any type of of heavy emotion you're feeling in your body. If you actually allow yourself to fully feel it, it won't last that long, not as long as you think. So the mind actually perpetuates it, but the feeling itself isn't going to be there forever. I can promise you that. So once you find this this part of your body that is screaming the loudest, actually, let's rewind real quick, because I know for some people it might be hard to find that in the body if you have spent most of your life disconnecting or numbing out or distracting yourself from that feeling. 
And so one practice that you can do that Dr. Kennedy explains as well is that you can actually dive back into some sort of difficult experience you had as a child. Don't pick like your most traumatic event, like the most intense one right off the bat. Just pick one, maybe like if you were bullied as a kid or I don't know, something happened to you that you remember that was painful in some way. So close your eyes and ground yourself into your seat or wherever you are, as long as you're not driving and bring back that old memory, right? That, that painful memory and try to really experience it as if it were here in the present moment. The point of this is to kind of activate that alarm system just a little bit, just enough for you to become aware of where in your body you feel it the most. So what part of your body kind of lights up when you experience this in your mind's eye, this painful experience? For me, it's in my solar plexus. So it's that space like right under my bra line, kind of like where my rib cage is, that tenses up. That's the feeling for me. It just feels like every muscle in my midsection is contracting and kind of like holding on for a dear life. And the next thing that I feel is the shallow breathing. And that's something that's very common for anxiety, which is why breath work can help so much. And we'll get into that in just a second. But once you have kind of become aware of where in your body this area might be, you know, feeling it the most, then the next step is to put your hands on that area. So let's say it's in your chest. You'd put both hands over your chest, close your eyes. And imagine as though you were talking to your inner child. Because as Kennedy, Dr. Kennedy says, is that this alarm system is actually your inner child that's still stuck in that past experience that it didn't know how to process correctly. And it's kind of reliving it in the present moment. And so if you think of this alarm as your inner child that's asking for help, asking for attention, asking for love and support, how would you talk to a child that was panicking, that child that was experiencing anxiety, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't try to shut it up or like run away from it or guilt it or shame it. No, we would never do that to a child. So imagine yourself and your alarm system as your inner child needing love and support. And this is why I love the concept of self-healing, because once we understand these concepts better in ourselves, we can start to apply tools and practices like these to self-regulate. And the more that you do that, the more self-trust you start to gain because you realize that you can truly be your own safe space, your own support system. Like You've got you once you understand these concepts and start practicing this more, which is like the most empowering and safe feeling thing we could ever practice, right? Because we don't, we no longer need someone or something to help us feel better if we have these tools and we practice them to come home to ourselves, to come home to our bodies and regulate ourselves with just our breath and our hands and our intention and our own love. And you can also, if this is easier, do it in front of a mirror. So sometimes it's it's even easier to step into that role if you are looking at your reflection in the mirror and picturing yourself as a child being scared or anxious or whatever it is and kind of talking directly to that child. And I know this can be a little bit weird for some people who haven't done this work, but again, just try it. Like you might as well try it, you know, like what if this really worked for you? And even if it just eases your anxiety by 10%, I mean, that's 10%. That's still a lot. So I encourage you to just try it, to to show up for yourself in this way, to speak to your inner child and reassure that child that everything is okay. Because what happens is that that alarm system goes off and basically your inner child still thinks that it is stuck in the past, like I mentioned. And so now you can talk to yourself, to your inner child and reassure it that A, it's no longer in that past experience. It's right here in the present moment. And even though whatever triggered it makes it feel like it's still in that experience, that's not actually the reality of things. So you can kind of, as like your more mature self with this greater understanding, speak some sense into this other part of you. This is very similar to like um, internal family systems therapy, which is like 
explaining that we have these different parts of ourselves and we can actually talk with one perspective to another perspective, like from your more mature self of where you are currently in, in this day and age to this older version of you that was hurt and never knew how to process that, right? Didn't have the support system, didn't have the tools to regulate themselves. And so you become your own safe space. You become your own support system. And what was really interesting to me is that the needs of a child are to be seen, to be heard, to be loved. See me, hear me, love me. Really basic, but like foundational pieces for any child. And as we all know, we all have a child within us, right? That inner child is within every single person. It does not matter how old you are or what you've been through. We all have a child with needs within us. And so those same needs of a child are the same needs that your inner child has, especially, 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 especially when you are feeling anxious or sad or depressed or anything like that. That's when the need for love and attention is even greater. And again, you can give yourself that feeling that you are looking for. You can give that to yourself. And this is especially true for sensitive people. So for all my empaths out there, people who feel really deeply their own emotions and the emotions of other people, the energy of other people, that can be a lot sometimes. And so if you can practice this, whenever you're feeling any heightened emotions and just like there's a lot going on right now, can you come home to yourself by just putting your hands on your physical body, breathing and reminding yourself in that moment of all the things that you need to hear from someone who is grounded. You know, so in, in those moments, I know what I need to hear is, Lily, you're safe. Like, you're, I've got you. I've got you. You're safe. It's okay that you're here. It's okay that you're experiencing this. It doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make you broken. Because I know for me, a lot of times it's these, usually, like, what I say so often is that it's usually the stories about what's happening to us that contribute to our suffering, Right. So the pain might be inevitable, but the suffering is definitely an option once you understand how this all works. And so by telling myself that it's okay to feel this, it takes away the shame. And now it's just the pain and I can deal with the pain, right? Pain plus shame is a whole nother messy situation that I don't want to get into if I don't have to. And so if my kind of higher self, my more mature self can remind my scared self, my inner child that... I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm actually grounded. I'm in this present moment where if I look around me, everything is actually okay. Obviously, this is not true if you're in like an actual dangerous situation, but for the most part, when we are dealing with some sort of anxiety, it's actually just in our own mind and body. It's not in the physical as much. And so if you can ground yourself with your senses in this present moment into your body and remind yourself of the things that seem really obvious, it really helps. Like you can even point out like things in your room, like, okay, I see that plant is still there in that corner. You know, I feel the rug underneath my feet. I can kind of smell the, the scent in the air, whatever it is that you're helping yourself to engage your senses to come back into this moment is such a powerful practice. Don't undermine it just because it's simple. It's usually the simplest things that we need in these moments because, again, a child doesn't need these fancy tools and fancy words and, you know, all these all these crazy techniques that we that are out there are important, but they're not as necessary as just the basics of like of like just supporting a child and being there for that child in that moment when it needs some sort of safety, some sort of security. You can be that for yourself. And if you need an instant relief, I, I found this practice really helpful. It um, is a specific breathwork technique for moments of heightened alarm, right? Of that, of that anxiety feeling in your body. And it has to do with taking three rapid inhales holding at the top for a little bit as long as you can and then releasing it kind of with your teeth clenched together not clenched but just closed and you're kind of making a sound through your mouth so it kind of kind of sounds like this and you can do that as many times as you need to 
but the way that Dr. Kennedy explained it is basically just that you are taking these rapid inhales and then holding at the top, which is allowing your nervous system to calm down and regulate itself, right? And so your breath is really helpful to because your breath is a direct access to your nervous system. And that shallow breathing is another indicator to the rest of your body that there is danger, right? There's a threat somewhere. And so your body responds to that with more of these like alarm feelings. And so if you can use your breath directly to kind of start calming the rest of your body down and reminding yourself that you are safe, that is really helpful. But really any breathing exercise will help you. You don't need to have some fancy breathing technique to help yourself. Like literally just putting awareness onto your breath and how it's moving in and out and and trying to deepen it, like deepen everything and slow and deepen your your breath overall. Like that is key. So deepen your inhales, deepen your exhales and try holding at the top every once in a while. And just like you putting your attention on your breath and trying to like slow that down and regulate it is going to be taking away your attention from the other things that are continuing to increase the anxiety, right? And at the same time, calming your body down through your breath. So your breath is key because it's your access to your body. That is such a powerful tool that we all have. It's completely free, completely accessible to all of us all of the time. And that is the beauty of breath work. Okay, so now Now we're going to talk about the power of coming back into your body a little bit more. Because one thing that's really interesting is that the body doesn't lie, right? The body doesn't lie, but the mind does. The mind lies to us all the time. And again, it's not like it's purposely trying to like be our enemy. We're not fighting our minds here. That's only going to cause more anxiety. But the mind is designed to predict and protect that is literally one of the main purposes of our of our brains our mind right and it's because we are survival organisms like we are here to survive and try to yeah reproduce and so by trying to predict and protect ourselves that is our mind's best way of trying to keep us safe However, we know that a lot of times those projections, those predictions, assumptions about the future aren't entirely true. And what happens is that when we start to believe them or feed them, they start to produce a feeling and discomfort in our bodies that we don't actually want to be experiencing. And so knowing that the mind can lie to us, you know, as a means to protect us, but that the body doesn't lie, that is very useful knowledge to have because we can trust our bodies. We can trust the feelings in our bodies. And I talk about this a lot in terms of intuition. Learning how to trust those nudges that you feel in your body is one way to access your intuition and start to build self-trust by honoring the feelings you have in your body over the stories you hear in your mind. But we can also use this to start healing ourselves, right? To come home to our bodies, to to shut off the alarm system when we are dealing with something like anxiety. And it's a simple habit that requires a little bit of effort, but it's the habit of trying to bring your awareness back into your body as often as you can. Because again, we live in a world that pretty much teaches us to disconnect from our bodies, right? It's like when we were kids, oftentimes it's like, oh, you're sad. Like, let's get some ice cream. That's a distraction, right? And it's it's no fault of our parents or teachers or anything. That's the best that they knew how to do. It's, it, these are teachings that are passed on and no one wants to see a child sad. And it's like, obviously, you know, you want to you wanna make them feel better. However, it's actually a disservice to the child to not let the child fully feel what they feel because the message that's coming through that is you shouldn't be sad. We need to fix that. We need to reach for something externally that's going to immediately make it better and give you pleasure so that you don't feel sad anymore. You know, and so every time that you feel sad, you now have this habit of reaching for something to make you feel better. And again, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. But once we understand it, we can start to work with ourselves and 
let your, you know, and it's not about the ice cream or whatever the external thing is like, that is just a coping mechanism. The root cause is again, this feeling within us. And if we can start to become aware of our bodies and the sensations in it, then we can start to trust ourselves to go there to feel the sadness and remind ourselves that there's nothing wrong with being sad or being anxious. These are human experiences that just come along with being human. And if it weren't, you know, another another powerful perspective on all of this is like, if you didn't have these quote unquote negative or difficult emotions, then you also wouldn't have the experience of the polar opposite. You know, the joy, the ecstasy, the the fun, like all of the good, quote unquote, good experiences come or, I mean, you're, you understand them because of contrast, because of duality, right? It's like, you know what it feels like to be anxious. And therefore, you know what the opposite feeling feels like too. You have something to compare it to. That is the whole gamut of our, our human experience has to do with polarity and, and um, duality. And so don't, push away the negative experiences, the difficult experiences, the discomfort. Welcome it in. Welcome it in understanding that it's all part of the human experience. You know, it's what makes us human is our ability to feel everything. And sometimes it's really difficult. But again, these tools, these perspective shifts, my hope is that it will make your experience a little bit, I don't want to say easier, but easier to navigate right? Because when you have more compassion with yourself, when you are able to work with yourself, come home to yourself, be your own safe space, it just makes moving through life and moving through all the different emotions a lot less intense, a lot more enjoyable, truly. Like it can be enjoyable to go through an experience like this because on the other side of that, you will feel so empowered knowing that you just handled that in such a beautiful way. And like, once you feel yourself, like, like if you can go through a feeling of alarm in your body and come out the other side, feeling better and lighter and just more relieved and more present and knowing that you did that yourself, Like, think of how empowering that is, right? And this is just one tool about one difficult situation that we call anxiety. But there's, I mean, there's tools, there's practices, there's shifts for everything that we experience as humans. And this is kind of the whole work of self-mastery, self-healing, self-growth, the journey home, right? The journey home to us and like all the tools that we have within our own mind and body. And that is the beauty of it. And so I think that, you know, I just wanted to put that out there because it's so powerful. But let's come back real quick to kind of this idea of coming home to your body and how we can start to practice this more on a daily basis. So one thing that's really interesting, too, is that we rarely put attention on our bodies when our bodies feel good. Like when things are really good. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm usually not thinking about, hmm, where do I feel this in my body? Like where is this good feeling in my body? Like, how do I feel? Like, what is it expressing itself as, right? We just kind of like, I don't know, we, we, we do our thing. We're not really thinking about it. However, on the flip side, when we are feeling anxious or when we are feeling depressed, we know what that feels like in our bodies, right? We put more attention to it. I mean, usually we try to distract ourselves, but still it's like we are very familiar with those feelings. And so what's really interesting is that you can actually train yourself to feel good too. You can like kind of memorize what it feels like to feel good and replicate that later on, like come back to that feeling that you know, because you have been present with yourself during the good times as well. So that's um, a little tip there, but really just practice throughout your day, even when you're not feeling anxious, even when you don't need to regulate yourself. Just make it a daily practice to check in with yourself every once in a while and ask your body what it needs. Because again, the body doesn't lie. The body knows what it needs. And so the more that you can start this like communication with your body and your mind, the more that you start to come home to yourself. You know, that's the name of this podcast. That's what we're all about is coming home to ourselves and our bodies and this consistent process of like, checking in with yourself, maybe like three times a day to start 
in the morning when you wake up, like taking a deep breath, just grounding yourself, feeling your feet on the floor, kind of checking in and being like, where am I at? How do I really feel? And what do I need right now? And it might be as simple as like, I just need a glass of water. But it might be like, I need to journal about all the things that are in my mind right now because I'm overwhelmed and stressed out. And like, I just need to move this out of me. And then like honor that, you know, sit down and let it all come out. And like, don't judge yourself for whatever comes up. That's not the point here. The point is to let yourself be human, experience whatever needs to come through. And then like also honor and give yourself the things you need. Because even if you need a hug, guess what? You can give yourself that hug. You can. You can wrap your arms around yourself. You can close your eyes and you can picture the best hug in the whole world. And that will release the feelings you are looking. Those endorphins, those feel-good hormones will be released simply by you envisioning that and like putting your hands on your own body. You know, like that, we are so powerful and yet we forget. We forget how powerful we really are. And so remember that you have that ability and the more that you practice coming back into your body and checking in with yourself and just becoming in tune with what is actually alive within you the more powerful you become because you are able to access all of that within your own body and obviously any practice that is somatic based that's of the body like breath work and yoga and cold plunges and i don't know i mean there's so many but those kinds of practices are really helpful because again they are bringing your attention down into your body out of your mind where we usually live and into the feeling body, which helps you again, become more familiar with that feeling because it's just rare that we put our attention there, right? Even like scanning your body is such a good practice that you can literally do in like 30 seconds and do whenever you want, wherever you want. And it's just a simple grounding tool that you can use to come back into this present moment into your physical body and kind of heal what's there work through it. Okay, you guys, the last piece of this puzzle, if you will, that I want to talk about is mind and body healing. Because obviously, we've talked a ton about healing the body and coming into the body to heal from anxiety from this alarm system in our bodies. And this brings me to a point that I don't know if you're aware of, but in this, I don't know what you want to call it, self-healing, self-development space, There is a lot of contradiction between like whether the somatic practices like of the body healing practices are more powerful, more effective, or whether mindset work and everything to do with the mind is more effective. And people will scream from the rooftops their beliefs about this, about one or the other being more important for days. And for me, it got really confusing for a while because both sides have valid evidence, you know, and, and and anecdotal evidence. And so, and I've experienced deep healing on both sides as well. And so I was really grateful that Dr. Kennedy brought this up and kind of shared the similar belief to me in, in terms of both are important, both are equally important. And that is because the mind and the body are one and the same. At the end of the day, like it's all the same. It's all you. It's all part of your human experience that makes you you, right? And so you can't separate them and be like, no, this is the problem. No, that is the problem. It's like it's all interconnected. One is affecting the other, and the other is affecting the the one, you know? And so don't ever put things in boxes and like separate them when it comes to you because that's not how we work. That's not how we operate. And so it's really important, I think, to address when you are looking for healing, whether it is from something like anxiety or just in general, from whatever, mind, body, spirit, is to address all, all of them, right? Spirit included. And the way that I think about it is the mind and the, men- the mental work, the mindset work is really important because of these subconscious beliefs and patterns that get ingrained in childhood. So from like the age of zero to seven, mostly is when our kind of identities are formed, our egos. And that's from everything that we are absorbing around us, right? Children are like sponges. They're absorbing everything they see and hear and um, 
yeah, trying to create a persona out of it to move through life because it's necessary. And so deep down in our subconscious, we still have so many stories about ourselves, about how life works, you know, that we think are just normal. But if we don't actually take time to question those and work through them, then sometimes we can be creating lives from those stories that aren't actually serving us or it's not what we want, right? Or it conflicts the things we want in life and then we don't understand why things aren't changing. And so if we don't ever address the the mental plane, if we don't address the mindset and the subconscious beliefs and narratives that we hold most of the time unconsciously, then it's really hard to actually create change in our lives, right? And then on the other side as well, as we just talked about in this entire episode, if you don't address the body and you only look at mindset work, then your capacity for healing is also limited. Because trauma, as we know, is stored in our tissues. It's stored in the body, right? It's these alarm systems and these patterns, these nervous system patterns that get stuck in the past because we didn't know how to regulate our emotions. And so that gets triggered in the body and the feelings are in the body. So if we ignore the body and we just live as this mind and try to just analyze and and, and um yeah, work through everything on a thinking basis, then we're kind of ignoring the other half of us, which is this whole body, right? At the end of the day, yes, we are spirit and and whatnot, but we're living in a human vessel, a human walking, thinking meat suit. And so it's really important to look at that as well. And that's where somatic practices like breath work and meditation, all these different tools that we can we can use to kind of dive into the body and release trauma release emotion emotion is just energy in motion emotion and so that's why it needs to be felt you got to feel it to heal it right and so getting into the body and letting that work through you shaking and doing breath work and yoga and like all these really powerful practices to release that like stuck and stagnant energy and trauma from the body is the other side of healing that is just as important. And the two work so beautifully together because again, you if you release the old trauma from the body, now the body feels lighter and is is, you know, its capacity for moving through life without getting so triggered and overwhelmed and being so reactive is greatly enhanced. And you're also doing the mindset work, which is powerful too, because now the mind is not contributing furthermore to those feelings of stress and overwhelm and anxiety in the body. So the two really need to be paired together. And it's, you know, that's why sometimes like talk therapy is sometimes not enough for people to heal because it's only addressing the mind. It's like we're only talking about the problems. We're not actually feeling any of it. We're not releasing it from the body. And sometimes for other people, if you only do breath work, let's say, and you never actually look at your subconscious narratives, then that also, it's almost like a crutch. It's like you got to use it every time that your mind, you know, unconsciously brings you back into a state of fight or flight, right? And so it's like you're repeating cycles because you never got to the root cause. So both are so powerful. Both are necessary to fully heal. And yeah, both are a part of who we are. So don't like ever think that, just doing one or the other is the way. And on that one final note, you know, when it comes to anything related to healing, growing, becoming, you know, moving past these old traumas and stuck energies, there is no one way to heal. There is no one clear cut way. Like, you know, it's not like you have to start with mindset or you have to start with breath work or you have to start with this and then do this and then do that. No, this is supposed to be your journey home, right? And your journey home is going to look way different than mine, way different than anyone else. And that's the beauty of it. It's like it takes a little bit of trial and error. It takes a lot of experimenting, a lot of getting to know yourself. That's why I talk about that all the time, talking to yourself, asking yourself, questioning your own beliefs, you know, feeling into your body so that you actually know for yourself if something feels good or if it doesn't learning to have boundaries to protect your energy, right? Being discerning, not just taking everything anyone says as truth, but actually filtering it through your own being and and seeing if it resonates with you. So like take that with you through your healing journey, knowing that it's going to be unique to you. And that's the beauty of it, right? 
We have so much information these days at our fingertips. And I know from my own experience that that was detrimental to me to some degree because I didn't yet have that self-trust and that deep self-knowing of how to discern between someone's experience and someone else's opinion. And so I, you know, I look up to a lot of people and I've learned from a lot of people, but people have different ways of doing things, different things that work for different people. And it can get really confusing when one person says this thing works for them and this is the way to do it. And another person says the opposite and you kind of believe both. And then you're stuck in the middle, like overwhelmed and anxious because you're like, I don't even know what to do. Like, where do I start? You know? And that's what I fell into for so long. And it was stressing my body out so much that I could not heal because you can't heal when you're stressed. So if anything you're doing in the name of health and wellness is stressing you out more than you probably already are in your normal daily life, put it on pause, put it on pause, reflect on whether or not it's useful for you. And, and then, you know, make the appropriate changes that you need to make. But I think that the most important thing you can do on this journey is, excuse me, is to first learn about yourself, build that relationship to yourself, build your intuition, come back to your body, understand what these feelings feel like in your body, do these practices that help you self-soothe and self-regulate. All of that work, I think, should come first because then you can use that as a super solid foundation where anything that comes into your awareness, any new information, any new practice, any new podcast, you can filter through that deep self-trust and that deep self-knowing, that muscle that you have worked out, so to speak, and then know for yourself if that's something you want to try or not. And the moment, and you know, oftentimes you'll try things and if it doesn't work for you, like you will have that, that uh, confidence to be like, this doesn't work for me. And I respect that it works for this uh, this many people or that person, but it doesn't work for me right now where I'm at in my life. And that's okay. Like that, that is empowerment and that is needed, needed on this journey, in my opinion. Whew. <laughs> All right, you guys, that was a lot, but I hope that this was helpful for you. I know that this reframe on anxiety being an alarm in the body was just very useful to me. I'm very much a visual person and I can picture an alarm in my body and I, and I know what it feels like to me. And so now I can start working with this even more, right? So I hope that it has been helpful for you. Remember that there's no right or wrong way to go about any of this. The whole point is just to give you tools that if you resonate with them, being the the key here, then you can apply them as you wish to your own life. Um, So yeah, I hope that this has been helpful to you. I love you guys so much. And I really appreciate you being here listening to this. If you have any feedback or comments or questions, please feel free to reach out on Instagram. Um, You know where to find me. I love to hear from you guys. And I'm excited to make more solo episodes. I'm going to be releasing more of them to talk about things that I'm learning, things that have helped me, and just different topics that are useful on this self-healing, self-discovery journey. And um, if you have any recommendations for things you would like me to talk about, then obviously send those my way as well. And again, if you have some extra time on your hands today and you thought that this podcast was useful or has been useful for you in the past, then please consider leaving a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to this to. That really helps to support the show. And um, yeah, I would just greatly appreciate it. So I love you guys so much. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and we will talk again soon. Bye.